0: she still believes in trolls and magic spells and things like that. Trolls? Like hide under bridges and eat little girls? Cut it out, dork. It's like the legend of Trantor. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Gittle life. Just because you write a
1: report about it doesn't mean it comes true.
0: She told me about this troll that had red, glowing eyes and walks like this. (laughs) And that ugly little rascal is still alive down there. (laughs) He can only be awakened on the night before Halloween. Like tonight. When a whorl... Like you. Places his hand on a tree, like this, and says, Yea, I call thee Fort Trantor. But what are the chances of that happening? Then we have to fear itself. Him, no. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. a podcast exploring faith and fear what scares us and what saves us this is the fear of god testing 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 i can't believe we're doing this Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fear of God podcast. This is Nathan Rouse, one of your co-hosts. Typically with me is Reed Lackey, but he had to go make sure his shoes were on the right feet. Typically with me is Reed Lackey, but he's the line of defense between victory and certain death. Oh, Reed said he had to go watch Hulkamania for a third time. (laughs) This time in slow-mo. Well, Reed had to finish watching Brain Barnacles from the Planet (laughs) Tycourt. Typically with me is Reed, but he was listening to the giant troll album with every troll love song ever written. (laughs) Reed had to go check into a troll motel and watch a movie on the cable. (laughs) reed had to go make a bumper sandwich (laughs) well reed was here but he had to go get some authentic bulgarian miak. goodness gracious everyone welcome to the fear of god podcast i don't know how we do this i don't don't even know what's happening right now but i'm gonna give you a little hysterical perspective here because it's friggin' funny or die number four oh my goodness yes typically with me is reed but he had to go do a bunch of things in the meanwhile while we wait on him to return oh please for what all i just put myself through and you guys go leave us a rating go leave us a review you get points for it we're (laughs) trying we're trying to reward you right now why don't you do that (laughs) There he is. He is the 8th level of Mario Brothers, the great redneck hope. Reed! Oh my you're here. Thank you, Jesus, oh you're my back. my gosh. <laughs> that was just...
1: I don't know which I loved more. The full committed attempt to make all that work, which was glorious. Uh, or that beautiful <laughs> infectious laugh that kept breaking through. He was gonna watch a ho 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 ho
0: I thought you were going to say or... The pre-show you had to suffer through <laughs> while My we, tried to, get, we tried to get listeners. <laughs> listeners don't even know. There was like typically when
1: we peek behind the curtain, everybody like typically when we record, like oh, we get set up. Gosh. You know, we we sort of brainstorm a bit about a couple of highlights from the episode, or you know what kind of things we're going to be talking about or doing, and then like Nathan wouldn't tell me what what he what he had planned. So all I'm I'm just like okay yeah, great uh, well let me know whenever you're ready and count us down. And so then I sit there <laughs> for what. What felt like a year and then like as I look at him and like he's like staring off at the back of his garage and, then, <laughs> and I'm like I'm not quite sure what's going on
0: and then because I didn't want to rehearse him in front of you because I didn't want to spoil <laughs> the surprise but I wasn't 100% sure I could do it it's
1: so funny because then well then even after that then you said okay okay and he went Brr. and then <laughs> then your eyes just glaze over and you're staring at me <laughs> slack jawed for another like 30 seconds (laughs) and I'm sitting there like what is happening right now I do Mm. not understand oh
0: man oh there you have it that's all I was going for it was great I loved it I loved it
1: Nathan we are here in Funny or Die number four and listeners if you have not already seen the title in your feed and if you have not already caught on by Nathan's glorious introduction we are discussing the John Cherry III directed <laughs> Jim Varney starring Ernest, scared, stupid. I <laughs> I don't have the words. I don't have the words for how excited I am. But I'm going to have to find some different words real quick because we got a couple of quick announcements. I'm going to make them quick because I cannot wait to get to this movie. Um. So uh, we want to remind everybody that if you, you know, we, we have a variety of different segments that show up in the show these days. Um, if you want to skip to certain things or if you want to skip over certain things because you haven't watched the material yet, uh, first of all, just watch the material. Keep up with us. That's just the easiest and best way to enjoy the show. But we recognize life is hard and busy. Um, there are now timestamps available that you can go to in uh, primarily the iTunes feed. But I think whatever means by which you get the podcast, um, you can go and you should be able to see timestamps in the show notes that tell you when. And certain segments are going to begin. Uh, beyond that we also now have a presence on tpublic.com. that's T-E-E public.com where you can purchase some merchandise if you want to wear our faces on uh, uh, it's actually I say our faces but it's actually a really cool design from Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com and it's really wonderful so you can go and you can get that design on a t-shirt on a mug on a sticker on a pillow it's really fantastic so you can go to tpublic.com, search for The Fear of God Podcast all one word, and you should go to our page. Those are also linked on all our little social media things. And speaking of social media, tell us about it, Reed. We're holding a contest right now. Whoa! Yes. It's contest, our, it's our first major contest. Um, we are holding a contest, and uh, we have uh, we have access to uh, have been given, and we want to share with you guys a one hundred dollar credit for Voodoo.com. It's V-U-D-U, the streaming service uh, where you can purchase and rent films. Um, And so the way that you get entered to win that $100 Voodoo credit giveaway is by leaving us a review in iTunes. Uh, If you have already left us a review in iTunes, uh, then what we want you to do is go ahead and screenshot that review and email it to us. That way we have a means to get in touch with you should you win the contest. Um, And also to make sure you get your points. And also to make sure you get your points. So um, leave leave us a review in iTunes. That is worth five points. You can share and tag us or one of our episodes on social media. Uh, Any of the major social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as long as you tag us. If you don't tag us, we won't know you've done it. So you've got to tag us on social media, share an episode, share the show, share some thoughts about the show, share, share some thoughts about the episodes, whatever you want to do. And for every single time, you share on a social media platform you get two points these points and tag us you got to tag us, tag us. Um, these points don't uh, accumulate to you know like it's not a race to the finish line but for every point you get your name will be entered into the drawing uh, at the end There's a grand prize of this $100 voodoo credit There are two grand prizes of some Merchandise from our Tee Public presence So um, there's lots of things that you can Enter in and win uh, for every Single point you receive your name is entered in That many times so the more you do it the more Chances you have to win it's just a fun way That we can say uh, thank you and Show our appreciation and let's just be honest Drive a little bit of attention towards The show because we, we love it We love doing it we hope you love it If you're still around uh, talk about Us to people because we'd love it. We hope we hope other people will come on board and join the family, and we would we would greatly appreciate that. So
0: that's why we do this. You know, you know what else we love reading. What? What you watching? (laughs) (laughs) What you reading? What you listening to? Thank you for that. That was hey, beautiful. You're welcome, buddy. You did a good job hitting those bullet points. Well, that was nice and succinct, unlike me last week. That's all right. Thank lot, you. There's a lot of rules to get through. It's a lot.
1: It's, it's a lot. It's tough designing contests. It's true. People. It's true. Um okay, what am I watching? So I don't want to spend too much time here, but most recently, um, it's one of the few sort of destination products when it hits uh, you know, streaming platforms. There's now just a ton of content, like a ton of content hits, and I somewhat actively resist, like, oh, this is what everybody's gonna be talking about, so I have to watch it, but one of the few things that I am hooked in on, so whenever they have new content, I always make it a pretty quick priority to check them out, is Black Mirror Season 5 has hit Netflix uh, three episodes this time. The last few seasons were uh, six episodes, but uh, three episodes this time around, and uh, I've seen them all. Have you had the chance to see any of them? I have not. Okay, so um, I will say that it's somewhat odd because each of the three stories are good. Elements of them, I would even say, are very good. My brief assessment as the whole is that none of them really pack the punch of some earlier entries in Black Mirror. But that's not to say that they're bad. They're not subpar. The ideas are interesting. The episodes are are entertaining, fun to watch, interesting. Performances are all strong. Scripts are strong. It's just they, they seem to not quite... Uh, hit that punch that you sometimes come to expect from Black Mirror. Maybe part of that is because there's only three of them, and so maybe just uh, it it feels a bit shy uh, in the large scheme of things. But the very, very interesting, my favorite of the piece, which is actually more about technology than it is, you know, sort of substanced by technology's possibilities, um, is the middle one, the one called Smithereens. That is my favorite of the trio of new episodes uh it's got uh, some some interesting things and some uh, noteworthy things to say about the ways social media has uh you know caused us to just change the way we interact, change our priorities and um again it, it's not a mind-blowing episode but it is a very strong one and uh, so yeah what i've been watching is uh black mirror season 5 all right yeah
0: there you go there, there it is so Real quick, I mentioned this last week, when this episode airs is, if I'm not mistaken, June 25th, June 26th is when the HBO documentary on the work and uh, sort of mission of Brian Stevenson airs. It's called True Justice. Mm. So I will be checking that out. I would encourage everyone to do so as well. But in a little more longer form, I did uh, two things real quick. I did go see John Wick 3. Um, oh, did you like it? Um, I liked it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 it's weird. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what's wrong with me. Reed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just have this. I have like I love Keanu. I think these are in, insanely competent action films. You did say you saw the first one. Is that right? I've
1: seen the first two. I have not caught three yet. Oh. But, okay. But I saw the first two. Um,
0: yeah. I love the sort of isolated nature of the story of the first one. Yes. Um, even the second one, I had a little bit of like, yeah, I'm not so sure about the world building aspect. It felt a, I, I don't know, like it that wasn't what was so interesting to me about the first one. And of course, you know, the third one blows it up even more. And it's just, I, I don't know, it, the action's amazing. The first 30 minutes of three are fantastic. Mm. There's some amazing because the first 30 minutes of three pick up directly after the end of two, oh, and the end of two wow. is really strong. No, it very much right? is. I mean, yeah. The end, yeah, the end of two is very strong. So the the first thirty minutes of three, first thirty minutes ish of three are very strong. From there, the to me it never quite sustained that. Okay. Um, I I don't know. So I would I like it, fine. I, I'm not like poo pooing it. I'm not like rah ing it either. Sure, so. I, I did gotcha. see it though. Um, but I am going to firmly recommend. And if you still have access to it, I would encourage you. I would I would encourage you not just as your uh, podcast host, but as your friend, to find and read. I actually thought about buying you a copy of it, mm. but uh, I just haven't, I haven't done that. So sorry, I thought about you, but I didn't follow <laughs> through. Um, Not enough. There is a, there is, a, where I'm going with this is a comic book. So, oh, okay. I, I consume comics through Marvel Unlimited. Um, so it's six months behind what's on the shelf. So I don't know where this series is currently, but as of Marvel Unlimited. As of this recording, about eight issues are out of a book called The Immortal Hulk. um, Okay. Which is written by one of my current favorite Marvel writers named Al Ewing. He's done some really great work. Uh, Specifically, he did an Ultimates series. Kind of just bars the name. It's not specifically attached to that iteration you're familiar with. But his Ultimates series actually has just a little prelude here. Is really fantastic. Really kind of cosmic in scale. It features Carol Danvers, Black Panther, um, several kind of cosmic characters, America Chavez, if you're familiar with her, but they they go on these sort of cosmic tales. Well, in his Ultimates run, there's this fantastic turn where they try to, quote unquote, solve the problem of Galactus.
1: Oh, okay. And
0: they Marvel sort of alters the nature of Galactus in that story where Galactus is no longer the the world devourer, but he's the life bringer. Uh, um, oh, wow. It's, it's really fascinating. So, so that series is great, but what I'm trying to get to is uh, tooting the horn of al ewing who writes this immortal hulk the reason i specifically recommend it here it is it is that it is intentionally and very specifically meant to be a horror comic um, oh wow and really really plays with traditional horror conventions oh and wow. applies them to the hulk as a character and it's really effective um the whole idea of it is which is just fun subversion of comic conventions. Period is I don't remember right before this series starts where the character of the Hulk is, but you may or may not know this, but in Civil War II, which is a really terrible, oh um, Bendis, who I love Bendis, but they did a Civil War II a couple of years ago. Okay, uh, it was meant to tie. Maybe it was round about the time of the Civil War movie. Yeah, just to have something oh, on the shelf with Civil War attached to it. Okay, well in that book. Don't ask me to explain it. It doesn't matter. (laughs) In that book, Hawkeye kills Bruce Banner. Um, Okay. Basically, to to take him off the table because he's too powerful. And they have this... It's weird. It's dumb. It's mutually agreed upon. Regardless, Immortal Hulk establishes this notion. Again, this is why I say it's it's subversive. And this is getting incredibly long and nerdy. That was not my intention. (laughs) Um, That he can't die. Thus, the title. Well, so what happens is... Even though Bruce, I don't think Bruce tries to kill himself. I can't remember at this point. But even if Bruce dies, in the daylight, at night, the Hulk resurrects oh, the whole entity. Wow! And so it's like, and and he becomes this like Frankensteinian kind of terror that that goes after people. It's it's really really effective. Um, like I said in Marvel Unlimited, they're up to like issue eight or so. Uh, really haunting imagery, really kind of taking the Hulk character and, and, and shoehorning him very directly into kind of horror conventions. Wow. It's very much worth your time. Wow. Yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. You would really dig it. Do you have anything else? No, 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 that was it. I just had black What
1: movie. you watching? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what you reading? Immortal Hulk. <laughs> what you listening to? So, um, Nathan...
1: Read. I, I love how brisk we're being with these segments because. Do you
0: feel like we're being brisk? I feel like I really got mired in some silly Marvel continuity there, but no, whatever.
1: no, I feel like we're being
0: quite brisk, which
1: I'm delighted by because I'm I'm anxious to talk about Ernest. But um, before we talk about Ernest, <laughs> before we get there, we also have another installment. I th- I feel like I, I kind of redeemed the Star Trek MacGyver debacle of a couple of weeks ago. And if you'll permit me, I'd like to I'd like to kind of do so again. would you would you permit me? I that? will permit you that Ray. okay good 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 good. all right so uh, so <clears throat> here we go. all right uh, prepare yourselves ladies and gentlemen, this is time for another installment of hashtag TV guideposts presented to you by the Fear of God wherein we unpack the finale of season one of Ash versus Evil Dead and discuss the first couple of episodes of season two of that same show. We're going to be following Ash Williams and his friends, Kelly and Pablo, their new potential ally, Ruby. Uh, Given what we saw at the end of season one, we're not sure sure about her. As Ash says, the jury is out. But all that and more in this next installment of TV Guideposts, brought to you by The Fear of God. That was beautiful, right? (laughs) You're you're welcome. Um, So yeah, so here we have finally we've made it to the end of season one of Ash versus Evil Dead. I still keep going back to, and I guess I just still feel like nervous or gun shy or whatever it is. It's like uh, I remember your. Fair, but honest sort of trepidation about committing to this show I've been emboldened the last couple of weeks about how you said like no you're you're kind of on the wavelength you're kind of digging it, you're kind of liking it. um I want to know your thoughts on the finale of season one, sort of the culmination of this plot line that have been building up Ash and Kelly and Pablo uh making their way back to the cabin to defeat evil once and for all uh yeah would you what'd you think about the finale of season one
0: well i I'm going to um, explode out your question a little bit, if only because because I'm watching these in threes. Sure, I'm yeah, sure, yeah. A little more broad brush there. So we're discussing the finale and then one of two of season two. And to me, now I don't know where the show goes after these or anything like that, but to me, the show is demonstrably better in this swing than it was to start with. I gotcha, yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's... And I don't know if that's just being on the wavelength of the show now. Like if I were to rewatch all of one, would I, would it be elevated for me? I just don't know. But it it, it feels like it's a, it, there's some more interesting storytelling being done. There's the, the comedy is really zinging. It's intermixed with kind of, it's funny. I was thinking about this today in prep for this conversation I almost think the the benefit of the Kelly Pablo, you know, making that this character triangle is one thing that. Apologies to all the Evil Dead fans in the world <laughs> that listen to our show, but one thing that I don't know that I love about the movie series is it's so zany. It's just like it just drills down on the zaniness, gotcha, and, and yeah. these set pieces with Ash. And I think adding those two characters. It's not that it mellows it out; it just spreads out some of that a little more evenly. Sure, um, they become in, audience in that, surrogates.
1: They absolutely do. Sure, in, in much of the situations and kind of anchor. I apologize for cutting you off, but they—they they, no, I agree. They—they they absolutely anchor the show in something. Whereas before, you really your anchor was Ash, and what's great right. is you—you you, lo- you know, as a character, he's fun. He's tremendous fun. But in this show, you have not only Ash still very much doing what he has always done, but you have the fun commentary and interactions with that. And we can, we can in many ways relate to Kelly and Pablo's characters, not to mention the fact the, the performers themselves, uh, Ray and Dana, but, but the characters are as well are just terribly endearing. I don't know if you feel that way, but like, I just feel like, Oh yeah,
0: they're, they're really strong. the The
1: characters are fantastic.
0: And I will say now, the benefit of this season finale is there is more time but that's not always a benefit but the season finale is actually scary like oh, it's yes. it's oh, yeah. it's to me the first time watching the show i was literally or not literally but i was actually like you know some of the visuals were real unnerving you know it 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 wasn't just sort of sight gags and sure, and sort sure. of like and grotesquerie it 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 very right, much right. was and I do think something this trio of episodes does that's strong for the series, even though they are present on a certain level, it starts to steer away from the Deadites being the sole visual malevolence. Yeah, of you know course. I mean? like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that they start to mix it up with some of the monsters and mm-hmm. um so yeah, I mean we I I'm happy to to go episode by episode, but I just sure, wanted to speak sure. generally. Um I love I, lo- I love some of the bits with the Australian girl. Oh, Heather. Um, Samara
1: Weaving, man. She's so great.
0: She's I, so great. I think it's one of the very beginning bits of season, of episode 10. Ash just says, Kelly, other girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, like, like, doesn't even know her name. Well, yeah.
1: and then Like, yeah, we're going to, I forget his line and I should have written it down, but he says something like, yeah, we're going to get out of here. Me, you and you. And then like, he waits a <laughs> beat and she's like, "And and me too. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> it's so great. Um
0: uh, the other honestly, I've just only got one or two non scare bits here, but the other one was, um, I can't remember if Kelly's Yes, I think it's Kelly outside the cabin yelling in to her mm-hmm. and she says, you're going to be the best dental hygienist who ever lived in the history of England or wherever it is. You're from. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's great.
1: I have a couple of notes about Heather. Like I just put, yeah. like her getting saturated by blood when Ash chainsaws dead eyed officer Fisher, like right up the middle. Uh, so then I just wrote at one point, I have another note about her that I'll, i will share in a minute, but I just wrote poor for Heather she never even wanted to go camping in the first place and when I wrote that note was when she was making her way all the way through like you know going making her way through the cabin and first of all like it 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 gets her leg at some point and then like it fires off all of these nails and then she steps on one and then she just like it just keeps assaulting
0: her with these different right, outrageous right. things and i just
1: wrote down poor poor heather she never even wanted
0: to go camping in the first place so if i can jump in since we're talking about the australian girl what's her name heather heather yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um she she doesn't she doesn't, in, she's not in the show long, but she makes a lasting impression. <laughs> but uh, you will appreciate, in terms of my energy around this flurry of episodes, um, the return of That Ain't Right happens. Oh, so, I thought about That like, Ain't Right so much. Riri, <laughs> those, that girl got roaches creeping up out of her hoo ha. <laughs> that ain't right. That ain't right. That is, oh that my ain't right. Yeah, that ain't right. That is some serious That Ain't Right. Oh my gosh, it is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know when this has happened, but I just wrote the the phrase "this poor Aussie girl." <laughs> <laughs> she, it just, she endures so much.
1: Oh my gosh, it's true. It's so true. Uh, um, yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, I'm just I'm just rattling off some creepy stuff, so I don't know where I don't know where you're going here.
1: So I will say that. <laughs> So here's what I here's what I wrote and we're we're going to be talking about all of it in this episode. So it it'll all come to bear if this doesn't make uh it doesn't make immediate sense. But uh I wrote Pablo vomiting up the dark one's children in season 1 finale gets my uncontested vote for the worst experience of season 1. Though in just two episodes it will soon be topped <laughs> for the worst will experience it ever. <laughs> Uh, yeah i,
0: I yeah i didn't know anything about the dark ones and the children or how they were naming that so i just said him barfing the larva monster is pretty oh my actually gosh. what i said is that ain't right <laughs> that ain't right it ain't i i said that screaming jumpy creepy monster kid that ain't right oh man creepy kid well i love the scare of the flashlight one confronting kelly
1: oh yeah that's oh great gosh yeah, That's very
0: effective. Yeah. Um, so this is it's a strong finale.
1: Yeah. The only thing that I have to the only final note that I have to say on the finale is that I thought it was a pretty bold move to end the first season with Ash totally taking the evil deal. <laughs> I was like, this is. This is really great. They, it feels like they understood what kind of show they're dealing with, and this, it, it's the kind of gutsy, unconventional conclusion that fits this franchise perfectly. And, uh, and I just, yeah, I, I really dig that about it, particularly where the show goes from here, which I'll try not to tilt too much of what I know. Um, I, the, the boldness of the season one finale endears itself all the more to me because I know where things are headed, and so, it's yeah, it's great. It's really, really great. Um, look, at, look at me. I'm Reed. I have all the power. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's true. It's true. I am the Dark One. Um. So, but moving into the season two premiere, one of the things that I think is really, so Uh, this is not going to mean that much right now. Maybe it'll make a little bit more sense when we conclude the show. But in terms of like sections of the show that are my favorite. Pretty much all of season two is season two is my favorite season. Uh, Just beginning to end. uh, There's very little I don't love about season two. Uh, It's only rivaled by like the last third of season three, which we haven't you haven't seen yet. And I'm not going to say why Um, I feel like the show ends in an extremely strong way. So but I love all this stuff in season two. And in the pilot I was actively thinking when I was watching this, I was like, they don't have to do any character setup or anything. They just get right down to business in this premiere. Right. And this this premiere is only like thirty minutes long, but it feels like they pack like two to three episodes of season one worth of story and set pieces and action scenes and everything into this one episode of season two, um, and so uh, I just yeah I just really I really dig it. It's called Home, and uh, I always love the little pre-title scenes that they do. I, the, right. They have some inventive ways to get to the Ash versus Evil Dead title card, and I just love they're like the the creatures like we're going to get you one by one and destroy you and he's like ladies first and then just bl- blows her away it's great i love it
0: i did think the the creepy kids vomiting all over zena was pretty nasty um, oh my gosh that's disgusting well and and someone someone might reasonably make the accusation of me of like nathan you don't really know what you want and that's a pretty reasonable <laughs> ac- accusation,
1: but Who are because these mean people because I, I know they're in my head.
0: Uh, but I I did write down this list of funny bits from this episode. And what I mean by you don't know what you want is I I seem to out of one side of my mouth criticize the zaniness, but then it starts to have its effect on on me. Um, but oh, I, I, see. I I love the Florida the Florida like disembodied ladies wily coyoteing in the blood pool. Um, <laughs> You know, (laughs) woop (laughs) woop (laughs) woop (laughs) woop Armless and headless, just like. (laughs) 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 Seeing you do it made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners don't get the enjoyment of seeing me. No, they don't. Um, Oh my gosh, I love, I love the quick cut. It's like, it's like a multi-edit cut of Ash suiting up at the car's trunk uh, that finishes with him applying cologne and winking at the camera. (laughs) yes oh my gosh i um
1: i really love the inclusion of lee majors in this uh in this first little episode is that Uh, is that the dad yeah ash's dad um he was you know famous for you know uh in the 70s he was the bionic man uh you know famous famous uh, actor from the 70s uh, playing Brock Williams here, playing, uh, you know, Ash Williams' father. But I love little, there's so many little, like, throwaway lines that he's, like, I love when, when they run in, when Kelly and Pablo run in, and he's like, you got a green card, kid? I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he's so obnoxious and outrageous. And I love how he's like, I think you and the illegal ought to get out of here. And then he looks at Kelly, he's like, Kelly, would you like to have dinner with me? <laughs> She's like, that's a hard pass. <laughs> it's really funny. That's
0: funny, Reed. As um, I would love... like There's a world where if you cared deeply about this, you could quibble about it, but the love, the scale, the sliding scale of the deadites violence on their victims. So like Mm. the lead characters where we're at, at least never get wounded whatsoever. Really? Really? I mean,
1: not, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is fine, except the degree of violence, these deadites perpetrate on, on the red shirts, is oh my gosh absurd and insane it's like they eviscerate them it's like (laughs) it's like this wood chipper behind the bartender or like the bartender and the they literally put the
1: yeah they literally put that mannequin in a blender and like like shred him down like in an which again i
0: i don't care it's just hilarious it's like so they can do that to humans (laughs) to the human form but somehow they just don't get a good enough grip on Kelly and Pablo or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> armor. No. I right, get it. right. 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 It. It's pretty funny. I, though, although I did, you know, I say that at the same time, what I wrote down is these poor actors, <laughs> the oh, amount of nasty they have to endure. <laughs> I mean, I thought it specifically <laughs> with Kelly and the trash compactor. Well, I call it the trash. my oh, Star-, Star Wars yeah. but Oh, but yeah, when she's yeah, sure. just swimming around the nasty, I'm like, golly. Oh
1: yeah, well, and I you see it a lot. Uh, I think that's in uh, yeah, that's in this first episode. And I see. Uh, uh, I, I thought about it when, uh, and I love like Ray Santiago is such a trooper. They, you know, all the echoes from the set are that like he's always just game for whatever they throw at him. But uh, like they, there's she's just assaulting that deadite that's on top of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's Just so casually, he's like I think we're good, Kel. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so
0: that was funny. great. Oh, I it's love it. Stu- it's really stupid, but it had its effect, the recurring bit of Ash bonking his head on the pipe.
1: Yes, I mean, yes, yes, I do enjoy that it.
0: Is, that is kind of my, my kind of humor. Um,
1: I I get it. But you know what else I enjoy is... Um, Tell me. I li- I, I don't... I, it would be too much of a stretch for me to call it depth. I don't think it's depth, but it is like character layering the whole them teasing the 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 subplot about them teasing him, and and it's like Ash is always just this bumbling buffoon that is has got a really cool swagger to him and has got a really uh, a, a a skillful talent at killing these deadites, but to see him in the context of like in that bar when he comes in, they're all making fun of him, the Ashy Slashy song and everything, like. It, to see him in that position where he's just mocked and just ridiculed, but not in in a sense that's supposed to make you, you know, laugh with him or whatever, not slapsticky, but actually like the character is being made fun of. Um, and I just, I like that. I think that's one of the things that the films never really did or tried to do was add that layer of depth and uh and character building to the character of ash williams and so that's one of the things i love about season two in general um that without spoiling where and how that continues that thread continues throughout the remainder of the show and that's one of the things that i really uh again really endears this show to me even more so than uh, for my personal enjoyment than the the actual films
0: yeah uh, yeah.
1: That was all I had on the on the premiere. Do you want to do I don't know you that go... I want to go to go in the
0: butt. <laughs> I
1: mean, oh my god. This Well, before I... before
0: we get to that scene. Okay. So Oh my god. I did write down I love how production just buys in to resetting the characters looks each new scene it's yes, like the, you know, all the it's blood's like, gone i know i know the amount of gore and gristle that was in scene three it's like don't worry scene four you're gonna be you know just clean as a whistle exactly um, it's exactly. just it's like all right cool whatever um <laughs> downright attractive the three of them are after going through all- <laughs> right, right um oh my gosh i mean do we just skip ahead
1: well, I, so I just wrote down, other than that scene, oh my God, if there's a, so it is the most notorious scene in the show, It it is. There's a there's a, a scene in season three that kind of rivals it for pure outrageousness, but like the, probably the most talked about scene in the entire run of Ash vs. Evil Dead is in episode two of season two, episode called The Morgue, uh, we'll get there in a second, but the one line that I wrote down that I just love is when... Uh, when Ruby, because that's the plot of season two. At the end of season one, Ruby makes a deal with Ash. He gets to go live in Jacksonville. She's going to control Evil and get to do her own thing, but Evil gets out of her control, so she has to summon Ash to help uh, her fight off this evil. And then when they're exchanging, when they're kind of catching up and she's like i'm already regretting calling you and he says get used to
0: that feeling <laughs> <laughs> that was great um, so uh, well I, was to really to add one other line that i loved um kelly de pablo says uh vaginas are powerful and life-affirming so you're oh. more of a you're more of a vagina now than you were before um, so, funny. Oh so can i can i just paint the picture for this scene yeah go, go right ahead you're right ahead so this scene in particular takes place in a morgue. There's dead bodies strewn about this morgue. I joked last week about how my wife was in the room when Xena wakes up in the fire butt naked. And oh, she's no. like, what? So, no, I'm for real, for real, for real. She's in the room. And I have, I have, I have, I have nobody <laughs> warned me. Like, oh my God. So fortunately, I do think she was turned on her side, either maybe sleeping or reading her book or whatever. But in my head, while Ash's head is in another person's butt, I'm like, please don't turn over. (laughs) Please don't turn over. Please don't turn over. Because, you know, if you're not going to watch this show, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i got a mental image of sitting there yeah this show. Yep. just like petrified like because like, because so, oh whatever i can handle stuff in context no biggie i'm like she is gonna roll over and be like uh yeah you need to get out of here you know you're sleeping on the couch tonight okay. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway so that what's so funny about this scene um and i guess in brief the character ash Ends up with his head through the rectum of a cadaver. Well,
1: because and, the colon, yeah, the cadaver like comes to life and the colon like pulls him. Right, in. right, right. I, oh, I mean, my
0: God, I, I, wasn't, I didn't think listeners would assume that he willfully stuck his head <laughs> up a rectum <laughs> through a cadaver. But I mean, it just, it doesn't just, you don't just trip and fall. Um, but what's hilarious? What's hilarious is it's a dude. The body is a dude, and so the the camera is panning around this morgue. And actually the, the, he, his his manhood has uh, a, a, a you know a piercing, a giant piercing. And right, in fact right. in fact what I wrote down is that dead ding dong's dead ding dong's got giant jewelry on his family jewels. Like you know that- <laughs> <laughs> what a glorious sentence. <laughs> <It's> glorious. <laughs> <laughs> that dead ding <ding-dong. laughs> But what's so funny about this stupid scene is like, I, you know, I've done just enough of, of like camera work and stuff to like, no, you know, like you, you don't just there's I'll put it this way. There are several bodies in this morgue that don't have jewelry on the ding dong. <laughs> and so in even watching the scene before it gets to that major moment, I'm like, that's a that's kind of odd. It's kind of an odd touch to the production, to set design, that props would just throw a giant piercing <laughs> on a wiener. Like, why would you do that? So, so they
1: know, they know what they're doing. Right?
0: Because little did Nathan know, pretty soon <laughs> that jewelry is gonna be front and center. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then. Ash, the the book the Necronomicon has been in in encrusted by Ruby into this dead body. He saws oh it my out. Gosh. The the intestines or whatever of this thing come to life and attack him and and pull him as this defecating cadaver is oh my God. is in is its rectum is in wrapping his head. And he's saying not. He's saying I'm in the butt. I'm in the butt. It's in, he's like
1: not the butt. Not the it butt. It is.
0: It is, I, I mean <laughs> i can't tell if i'm dirtier for watching it or grateful for having participated in this scene like it's i don't know dodge the for for can, you know for my wife having not woken up in that specific <laughs> moment to turn and see a grown man with his head up another man's ass that's dead and you know feces all over him and <laughs> oh my god and it can, yeah it, it can be both it can be yeah both. it's all like, of the above I I'll feel both involved.
1: a I feel both uh, a better and worser man yeah. for yeah. having and for having seen this scene. It is yeah, it's hands down. It's like it's the most notorious scene of it, again anybody who's seen the entire show. Uh, our our mutual friend Jeff, he told you I think at one point he said yeah, there's there's an episode I want like live tweeting from you and and this was one of the ones that he was referring to about like man when when Ash goes up the button. well i am kind of grateful oh that no
0: one tipped me off because then you're looking for stuff and all i knew sure was yeah of course what's yeah. up with the ding dong there in the background having oh and it god. just and then it just escalates it just like <laughs> it just it's like oh, it, it oh my, oh my right god right 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 it's just, like about escalation oh my goodness oh my well it's yes. just it i don't know it's <laughs> this is this is what i'm torn i'm torn i'm truly torn because i want to i want to slow clap the production because i'm like guys sure, you, you sure. did that you pulled that oh off gosh. yeah in the context of a, yeah a, a show yeah. like uh, uh, it's in the really, context of this visual storytelling you did that thing i never saw it coming yeah. i never would have seen that coming but you did it sure and-
1: yeah it's really great to hear them talk about like specifically that sequence and and you know designing that sequence conceiving that sequence just how completely on board everybody was but how they were like i cannot believe we're doing this like we are actually I'm sure. doing this and it's gonna air on television people are gonna see this like forever uh so yeah it's 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 pretty epic and i think you know i mean what better place to leave us
0: <laughs> <laughs> than in
1: the butt Oh my gosh! So he d- he does make it out, <laughs> just yeah. in case listeners yeah, that's are not true. Well, uh, we're, we're catching up. Yeah.
0: Hopefully we wouldn't have Ash walking around <laughs> the rest of the oh series gosh. with a with a cadaver on top his head. Yep.
1: Nope. Um. So yes, he does make it out. Uh. And yeah. So you
0: you good? You good? I'm. I think I'm good. I think I can All move right. forward. All right.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been yet another episode of TV Guideposts brought to you by The Fear of God. Uh, we want to apologize for every proctologist in the world for uh, what we made them watch with that with that third episode there, but uh, join us next week when we discuss episodes three through five of season two of Ash vs. Evil Dead. And we'll see you right back here on TV Guideposts. Uh, thank you again. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in under the That's fine. I'm over. just
0: testing some stuff out. Uh, All right, Reed! Nathan, Nathan. It's like, I mean, here mm-hmm. we are. I'm so excited. You know excited. what? I was ready. I was ready. I was ready to just, like, not take notes <laughs> and just sit here while you rift for an sure. hour plus on Ernest Scared Stupid, because this is clearly... Sure. This clearly holds a special place in the Lackey family heart. Um Oh it does. But I you know, it's kinda hard to not be charmed, and I will admit that. That delights me. That really delights me. What a great
1: sentiment and sentence you just said. Like that that is an appropriate, I think, <laughs> assessment of this film. It's like it's like for all of the things that, would, like, if you express love for it, or if you express, you know, an endearing quality to it, and everything, you you always get the eye rolls. You always get the. It's one of my very favorite films, and but uh, but it's not high quality cinema. But I love the way you just said it's hard not to be charmed. It's hard not to be like charmed you by
0: like. It. And hear me, I can be a jerk about media sometimes, but like, you you know what what
1: <laughs> my wife actively disagrees.
0: Oh oh. <laughs> Well, what's funny is what I was about to say is you have to really will yourself to be, a, to be a jerk to this movie, uh, and not let. <laughs> um, now that said, the opening credit sequence did not do it any favors. That is some next level. <laughs> Abs- absurd Shinto, right there. <laughs> like, well,
1: in a okay, so in a in a notation of like fear of God reference point. So I love that opening. I love I'm that sure you do. segment. I'm sure you do. I love it that. <laughs> Surprised me at all. <laughs> oh my gosh! My wife said she hates Brussels sprouts because of that movie. Purely because of that movie. So. I do love that opening theme music. I, I am very affectionate towards that. It's such a fun, poppy, macabre tune. Like I'll say this, like that opening theme music is like a perfect little Halloween ditty. Like it's a sort of a macabre but lighthearted little tune. Yeah. But in a in a fear of God canonical call-out, one of the clips in the opening credits of that it features a scene from Roger Corman's original Little Shop of Horrors. So really? I don't know if you would have caught that, but yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> So I have just a couple of little trivial bits. Uh, n- nothing nothing too major, but... So the special effects on this movie were done by a group called the Kyoto Brothers. They were a big part of the special effects department and creature design of this film. Their other major works in the 80s include the cult classic Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ooh, Yeah, I know. And the Critters films. But some of the trolls in the final battle of Ernest Scared Stupid directly resemble some of the killer clowns designs i just think that's really that's really cool but i mean i i think their work is is really impressive we'll probably get to that in just a little bit um this was released theatrically um, a lot of Ernest movies uh, wound up being straight to video. This one was one of the last to be released theatrically um, because its box office was pretty modest compared to the previous Ernest movies. The previous Ernest movies had actually turned quite a big profit, which is why it became so... Well, I'll get to that in some in a little bit later. But uh, this one made a little over $14 million, whereas most of the rest had made like between 25 and $30 million. And so most of the low box office was actually attributed to the fact that this film was a bit too scary for children <laughs> which it's, i just think, i yeah. mean
0: it's pretty effective in some places yeah like yeah, as i because yeah. honestly as i was watching it that first maybe third i was kind of watching it with an eye towards hey could my kids watch this um just for the kind of silliness of it Sure, right. But right, then the right. deeper it got with the troll stuff, I was like, yeah, they may not be able to be handle this, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. And
1: And so as a result, it sadly kind of, you know, like uh marked the beginning of the end for Ernest's uh, the character's theatrical run as it was. Um but uh All right. Yeah. So, listen,
0: Reed. Okay. Sure. And I recognize what I'm doing here. Uh, and okay. I need I need you to as brisk as we've been moving, okay, don't don't just run us into the mud and get us stuck. Right? <laughs> I'm aware of the box I'm opening here.
1: Okay. okay. But
0: for my ignorance and what is likely cuz honestly, I did not go look up trivia because I was like Reed's going to know all this stuff. So I'm going to let weird. him I'm going to let him have his moment to shine. This is his episode, <laughs> this is his show. It is it is I mean I say this with all due love, you could easily dress as as Ernest for Halloween and pull it off. Um, Oh, man. And I don't know why you haven't yet, because it would totally work. Um, (laughs) But what? I, I don't... It was funny watching the film and having triggers subconsciously of appreciating some of his material as a kid, but I don't it it wasn't like um you know like Dodd or something it wasn't one of these like mainstays of my childhood sure um, sure that, i understand no. that i've carried into adulthood with some affection so can you briefly mild, <laughs> mild, mildly briefly chart a little bit of cuz it he didn't have a did he have his own show that spiraled into into movies or was it a stand up so, routine like what was the origin here
1: so okay uh, um let me let me take a moment and do this so yeah um uh so i want to do something uh and and yes i'll 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 be as
0: brisk as possible um well and as, as a I, final note before you do that because you're gonna sure I, I sure want to, i want you to have the floor because like what is and i mentioned a minute ago and you applauded the sentiment like it's hard not to be charmed as an actor occasionally like you watch this and like the however silly or stupid it's calculated silly and stupid Sure. Um, yes. Of course. Yeah. And as as much lunacy as as is present, you gotta give the guy credit. I mean, sure. There's yeah, that. Sure. This is a real character, as as asinine as it is. Um, his comic timing is excellent. I mm-hmm. I did a very poor rendition of it. But even those montages of of multiple characters is like, oh, well, he, yeah, he's talented. Like it's, oh, sure. So sure. so it was it it again it warmed me over to the to the notion of it but i just didn't i intentionally didn't do the research to to track it cuz i knew reed's going to educate all of us and i uh. let you do that
1: <laughs> okay so um let's take maybe 3 or 4 minutes here not long but and and let's let's pour a cold one out for uh for jim varney who passed away in uh, i believe the year 2000 so Varney was an established comedic actor in the 70s. He'd had lots of little small roles in TV specials and TV shows. Um he even opened as Ernest com- or just as himself? No, no, okay. just as himself, just his just as a performer. Um he even opened a comedy store in LA alongside the legendary and late great Robin Williams, who wow. remained good friends with you know throughout his life uh there's a really funny uh, you should look it up it's not long but um there's a, a funny little behind the scenes clip of comic relief you know the, right. the yeah. uh, charity campaign there's a there's a behind the scenes clip of varney in the earnest attire but playing a kind of a different character he and williams like riffing with each other backstage cool. you know and uh, so yeah he's you know an improvisational actor comedic actor he had done stand-up Um, He even did stand up on a couple of uh, national TV shows uh, just kind of as he was getting started. But in 1980, coincidentally, there was an actor's strike in L.A. that lasted for a little over three months. During that time, Varney moved back to the south uh, where he was from. And meanwhile, at the same time, there was a local ad man named John Cherry who was pretty business savvy, and he had an idea to create this character of like a hick know-it-all who would be obnoxious but somehow endearing and use that character in a variety of local TV commercials. Like they had a lot of local territories that they were committed to. And so he you know, looked around for casting opportunities. Varney was in the area. Varney uh, auditioned, and Varney got cast, as Ernest, as this Ernest P. Worrell character. So between 1980 and 1984, he and John Cherry filmed like somewhere in the neighborhood of, of between 900 and a thousand commercials. Holy they cow! Filmed, yeah, they filmed almost a thousand different. That's a thousand different ones that they are like you know between 900 and a thousand different t, uh, commercials. But because the commercials were running in small localized markets rather than like a national right, run. Right. Right. You were seeing a variety of di- you were seeing the character show up in a variety of different places, pushing a variety of different products in these unique little spots. And so the character began to endear himself to all these different people. Hey, have you seen that Ernest character? And he had this, you know, this friend, this neighbor, Vern. And he'd be like, you know what I mean, Vern? You know, yeah, all this, that you know was what I his mean, thing, Vern? You know? Yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And so he even had like a small little TV show that was like, you know, uh, it was like a one season TV show of like, yeah, Vern, you know what I mean? And so um, it was it was a pretty brilliant. Brilliant ad strategy, you know, to just diversify the character, get the character out there. It was very successful. Public began to glom onto the character, and that eventually caught the eyes of Disney. So uh, there was a modest direct-to-video film featuring the Ernest character called Dr. Otto in The Riddle of the Gloom Beam, which is really campy and funny. Um, But Disney, after that, they full-blown, like, brought Jim Varney and John Cherry to Hollywood to test out a major theatrical feature, and that was Ernest Goes to Camp. So Touchstone Pictures released Ernest Goes to Camp, and that was a very big success. I think it was had like a like a three million dollar budget turned a profit of like twenty three million dollars. So it pretty much sealed the fate of Jim Varney to that earnest character for good. Right. And he even eventually won like a daytime Emmy for the character. And he's you know ranked alongside like the likes of like Mister Bean and Pee Wee Herman as one of the greatest family entertainers of all time. Now what's uh what's funny about that is or what's kind of interesting and perhaps a bit of a sad note is like Varney always wanted to do Broadway. Like he wanted to play Hamlet. He was a skilled and vibrant comedian but for the remainder of his career he was very associated with this earnest character. Sure. And what had started simply as an actor struggling for work became this accidental legacy. Right, you know? right, right. And, uh, and so finally and here's here's where you can view it one of two ways. Varney began in the late 90s to kind of finally break free from the Ernest character and be taken seriously. He voiced Slinky Dog in the first two Toy Story films. Um, He played a couple of smaller, more serious roles in a few independent films. Uh, And anybody that saw him in those, uh, he was nearly universally acclaimed for those small little roles. But uh, he had been a longtime chain smoker and he was diagnosed with lung cancer when he was uh, 50 years old. And the time, I don't know what exactly the time frame was, but the time between diagnosis and his succumbing to the disease was pretty rapid from what I understand. And it was it feels like it was like just on the cusp of his creative renaissance. I want to end this little like, you know, diatribe with uh, a quote that uh, Jim Varney's nephew gave to um, there was a consequence of sound interview not that long ago. Uh, with uh, Written up by Nick Freed. And this is the quote. I thought this was powerful. This is Jim Varney's nephew talking about Jim Varney. He said, I've heard from so many people who grew up watching Ernest as a child who now want to introduce their own children to Ernest and relive some of those moments. In this age where families all watch shows on their own devices in different parts of the home, Ernest represents a time when TV and movies were more of a family event. And I think Jim would be quite proud of that legacy if he were still with us today. So Mm. I wanted to take a couple of minutes and just pour a cold one out for the late, great Jim Varney and his beloved, bumbling human cartoon of a character that is Ernest P. Worrell. So thank you, Nathan, Uh, for permitting me those few minutes. No
0: problem. I I welcome that. And human cartoon. That's actually a great, uh, (laughs) great descriptor for what we get in Ernest. Sure, Sure. All right. So, so you want to move into sort of scared like- stupid now? Okay, well here's a <laughs> here's <laughs> here's a question. Wait, so there's three films?
1: Um, so no, there's actually there's nine Ernest films. Oh. Uh, there's there's a there the Ernest character appeared in ten full films. Uh, five of them were released direct to to video. Four of them were released theatrical. Um, so it's uh there's Doctor Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. That's kind of an outlier. Um, then there's Ernest Goes to Camp. Ernest Goes to Jail. Ernest scared stupid Ernest rides again uh there's Ernest goes to Africa which is unfortunate um Ernest <laughs> in the army Ernest goes back to school. Um, Ernest, slam dunk Ernest. What's funny about then,
0: that is I can't tell if you're saying it's unfortunate that the character went to Africa or if you're like, no, that movie in its creation no, and it's, its inception is an unfortunate exercise.
1: A, yeah, it's kind of an unfortunate <laughs> sure, exercise. It's, sure. not, it's can, not that great.
0: I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I love that you did that. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. So, the uh, but, yeah, there's so there's like there's ten films in, and and obviously there's <laughs> hundreds of commercials that you could comb through for, for earnest material would but. you
0: would you identify this one as your favorite like do you like do you this is I, my let personal me, favorite okay do, do you come with an affection for the character or is it just a happy intersection of the character in this and this, the kind of horror thing I
1: actively enjoyed and saw both Ernest Goes to Camp and Ernest Goes to Jail in the theater. So I actively loved the character going into Ernest, Ernest Scared Stupid. Then I get to see Ernest Scared Stupid, and that is because of my love for horror and my intersection you know, of, of horror and comedy that I also love so rabidly. Uh, this just pushed all of those buttons, so I came in with some affection for the character already, and then this just pushed it all the way over the edge. And uh, yeah, I, I I love this movie. I mean, there's no you can just skip to m- you know just skip to my recommendation <laughs> section right now. Like, I, love, I love this movie. I watch this movie every single opportunity I can. I absolutely <laughs> love it.
0: Um, Reed, you're running late for work. Hang on, I gotta finish herner's too. It's, it's like ten more minutes. Um, so uh.
1: I have some likes, dislikes, but I'm I'm gonna talk a lot, so like I want to pivot to you as often as I can. So like, do you have some specific um, things that you you would highlight?
0: I mean, um, I mentioned the absurdity of the credit sequence. What are you imbibing now? You just had a Mountain Dew. What's that? This is cream soda. Just IBC just, cream soda. Just, just a little soda wow. roulette. A Little roulette. No, it was just funny because like an hour ago you had a can. Now you got a bottle. Like. <laughs> Man, what happened in between? What's next? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna put one of those like beer hats on. It's just kind of this <laughs> like, you know, tube keg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that gosh, that thing. That's awesome. Um, no, I, I actually don't have a ton of notes. Um, though I do have some scares because this movie takes a hard turn into oh, like, okay, oh, Omg. But real quick, I did say the you you referenced this a minute ago, but I'd written down too. The creature design is really oh like, my gosh. I mean. I'm hesitant to call it good creature design. It's nasty. It's gross. It's like oh yeah, creepy, freaky. I and it's a legit. That's the thing. It's a legit scary. I know. Thing. I yeah. got freak. I didn't want that troll coming and getting me, turn me into <laughs> a little toy. Oh my gosh. And that, um. Yeah. I I love I love the dog. What are you gonna say? Like he's oh a, rimshot. He's in a Boy Scout rimshot. uniform. He can drive a car. Look at that dog. <laughs> I love that dog. I want that dog. That dog hey, so Reed, tell me, because I'm gonna going to burn right. through these notes real quick. But
1: Okay, okay.
0: I wrote down OMG with the dancing, but I don't remember what I'm talking about.
1: Oh, my gosh. So what that is is it's at the end <laughs> uh, when he, like, recognizes how he can finally... And ultimately defeat this troll. Oh yes, that is come here little fella.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yes, you're right. (laughs) That's why I said OMG with the dancing. Like that is that's some that's some weirdo (laughs) that's some weirdo stuff. Ernest, that's great. (laughs) Ernest, Ernest, Ernest ain't right. (laughs)
1: Ernest ain't right. Ernest ain't right. I mean,
0: Um, love wins. Let's do that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's what, what, I you, meant to say. what what you got to say before scares just, just so, go ahead read okay, i'll so, be I,
0: just call me when you're done <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what it's going to be like buckle up. So, uh, so i love varney's little menagerie of outrageous characters you've already mentioned them you know that's what you were calling out to at the top of the show it's just so stupidly delightful to me i love my, one of my favorite lines in his little and he has that menagerie of characters in pretty much all of the earnest movies but i love he's like they're talking about like yeah we need the high ground but there's no trees in botswana and then he pivots to this like guy the in the big yeah and he's like there you know trees in Botswana I know I am a Botswanian lumberjack and I ain't never had a job I don't know why that line just strikes me as so funny but I love what's it. so fun uh, about
0: that sequence and it happens more than <laughs> once but I'm gonna draw a really really odd pivot here Ethan where the um <laughs> uh that scene reminds me of I'm in the butt from vs Evil Dead when you just don't know it's coming And it's like, all of a sudden, whoa, we are just in a flurry of impersonations and impressions and this montage. And I was like, okay, cool. I I I, love how- I'm on board. (laughs) I
1: love how Kenny at the end is like, I'm defending, I'm fighting the trolls with a multiple personality. (laughs) Um. So, uh, just as a, a passing note, I want to uh, also briefly honor Eartha Kitt, uh, who's in oh, it. She's, she's just great. wacky and wild, and she's. And what I love about this, so this is what I wrote down. Maybe there was a Isn't that her name in Emperor's New Groove*? Isma,
0: Isma, that's Yzma. it. Yzma. 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 Wrong Lila! <laughs> so. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great so movie. She's hit, so hit wonderful. Him in the hand, <laughs> <laughs> is, that <my> voice? <laughs> <laughs> is that my voice? So, so I what it. I, so,
1: so what I wrote down about Eartha Kitt in this is I said, and I wrote, I wrote this down maybe with a subtextual connection or what, but I wrote down she's, mm-hmm. I said she's got all the mad exuberant energy of a 1960s Batman villain. And Whoa! Uh, but and it didn't it didn't dawn on me until after I had written that note that she actually played right. Catwoman. She was one of the Catwoman in the in the Batman uh, TV series. No, I know. I mean, I'm sure I did subtextually, but that's not what I was thinking of when I wrote that note. But no, she's wonderful in this. She's absolutely fantastic. And I think in a way, um, th- there's very little that sort of that you could say kind of elevates the material. But if there is something that does, I think her performance adds a. Uh, just an authenticity to it because she's, and she and Ernest, or, you know, she and Varney play really well off of each other, and uh, it's just, yeah, I just, she's a lot of fun. I really like her. I love the whole fight sequence between Ernest and Trantor on the truck on the back road. The reason I love that so much is because, like, on one hand, that's it's, it's kind of played for laughs most of the time, but it's also just a great campy monster movie moment. Like, just as a, if you're looking at a monster movie, it's got driving the truck that's when the dog's driving the truck and he's on the back like fighting Trantor with it and then Trantor's like pulling him back and everything. I wrote down of course the neighborhood bully would try to bully the troll. Like of course of course he would. That big, you know, the the big obnoxious bratty sure. kid. He's yeah, like, he's "Oh yeah, you're a jerk." He's so terrible. Um but it really Pings it legitimately pings me emotionally. I mean, I don't cry, but it does ping Come me. Come on, it's okay, Reed.
0: You can when okay.
1: well when Kenny brings wooden rim over to Ernest. Uh, that's rough. I'm like I oh, know, right? Like you're not expecting that level from this kind of movie, and then it's like, oh god, no, he got he got rim like. It's it does it just like I said it's just it's a ping it's a little bit of like a, oh my god like that that rimshot was just trying to defend his you know his friend and like oh god it's it's rough it's rough but it gets him back it gets you him back at the end get it and as, I love that it's rough it's rough. rough oh nice he, <laughs> what goods a, a wooden dog sure they swim better but what am I call him splinter I love it no I love it. No. So as a as a final button on my on my likes dislikes here, because we we can't be here all night, I have a, just a, a collection of my favorite lines. <laughs>
0: from I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: So uh, that I love. How about a bumper sandwich, booger lips? I just I think that's glorious. I love when the when it's a, kind of a blink and you'll miss it line, but I love when he first sees the troll in the treehouse. And I think Varney improvised a lot of these lines because he you know, he's a pretty skilled comedian. But when he first sees the troll, he's like, "Oh boy, I sure hope you're from Keebler." <laughs> God, <laughs> it's a funny And then I love, of course, he's like, "Stand and deliver, moment of truth, end of the line, eighth level Mario Brothers." Yeah, that's and what I, I called you. Uh, ex- exactly. Uh, two more i love uh just the the mad mania of you better back off you don't want to fight me i know tai chi kung fu chow mein and i saw hokumania three times once in slow mo i just think that's beautiful and then
0: i I called that one out to you too you sure did you sure did
1: (laughs) and then uh you you kind of in a way called this one out but i don't know why it's not a meant for laugh line but i just love when he presents when he presents the meak, right <laughs> to the troll, and then he's like, I'm a little too light for you, a little too resourceful, a little too light on my feet, but then he's like, so, eat me and die troll, and I just, uh, there are many times in my life where I just kind of want to faux give myself uh, some levity in the moment that in my head, I just, you know, whatever obstacle or problem I'm thinking of, I'm just like, I want to yell at it, eat me and die troll, because I think that's that's beautiful, it's glorious. <laughs> um,
0: I love, I love this movie. <sighs> Eat me, I can die, troll. What's really funny is, you know, um, every now and then I'll have to like work for whatever it is you're doing, off, you know, in in your adventures. This one, I was like, ah, pretty much every line in this movie is (laughs) is gonna work. And then I had the brilliant idea to pair that with doing oh the my characters.
1: Right. <laughs> so fun. Really um, fun. so
0: are you do you, you want to do some scares? Like scares. Let's do I'm it. gonna Let's read do my note okay. the okay. way it's written. And it says That troll done made a toy of that kid. What am I watching? Reread. <laughs> Come on, that ain't right. No He made right. a little toy of that kid, that's scary. The whole plot
1: device where the troll turns the children into
0: dolls is like super dark.
1: It's super dark.
0: Like, like, even if it were a doll, that, those aren't dolls. Those are like, those are like, yeah, wood carvings. Like, like,
1: well, and wh- I, it's like a jump scare when like Elizabeth's looking up under the bed and she sees that nothing, in that Charlotte's girl's bed. Like, that ain't right.
0: No, that ain't right. That ain't right. that ain't right. that ain't right.
1: Oh my gosh. No, that ain't right. That ain't right.
0: I mean, then you culminate all that with his, 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 his you know, I don't know what hand gesture you doing You know doing there. when Demon Trantor at the end, he's got them nasty dreadlocks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, those, those are, things. That ain't. disgusting. That ain't right. <laughs> Some so that, that ain't right. I think that creature design was for a different movie. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> a
1: family show why are you doing this I, right I mean, they're, they're right. like hey
0: we got we got this over here we're gonna use it in the that, in the <laughs> earnest movie yeah we didn't use it on the other one like okay whatever
1: they wouldn't let me they're not watching this one <laughs> we're just gonna get away with all of it um, that was nasty so there's a sh- there's a shot well, okay. <laughs> there's so there's what? a shot that always there's a shot that always kind of makes me a little nervous and that's the one where like Kenny hops the fence and then like shortly after he hops the fence Trantor just rapidly smashes through it like right. just comes barreling through it but my two in in terms of like freaky shots my two favorite shots in the film uh I already
0: mentioned wait, earlier wait, wait, about Wait wait stop what what makes you nervous I don't understand it's just
1: like, man, Kenny's trying to get away. He's running, and like he hopped it, and like last for a second. But this troll is just like <laughs> barreling through. Like he's gonna catch him. <laughs> it's gonna happen, you know. Like he, there's no way he can. There's no way. <laughs> no way that boy's gonna be a toy when I'm done it's with a, him. He is. Oh my gosh. I do love from a scripting standpoint how many times. Early, and you probably wouldn't have known this if you'd never seen the film or didn't have reference points for it. But they call out to that milk thing like often. Like they're constantly. Identifying in the in the movie that milk is the thing that Trantor's trying to stay away from, like it's it's referenced like five or six times before that. Where the reason he just leaves is just because some milk gets spilled or there's some ice cream or something. Uh, but you're not putting it together because you're not thinking about that. Yeah, in the, in the moment you're thinking of, about meak as meak. Um, <laughs> the, the troll the troll's like. <laughs> me-ack. <laughs> like, so but my two favorite oh shots and this gosh. is actually this is in scares my two It'd favorite be amazing. shots
0: I wish you just had like you're so up the earnest river like I would love if you just had like some little up pup, the earnest some, river <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs>
1: He said I was up the river.
0: Just little puppets. Just, I need mean, like a Trantor and an Ernest Puppet. Hand puppets just enter <laughs> entering the frame right now with you quoting it the way you are. You're like, and now this is where Trantor says meack. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Eat meak and die, troll. So... <laughs> so- my,
0: my oh. two favorite
1: Finally, a year later, my two favorite shots in this film are where Ernest is on the truck bed staring down the troll. I mentioned that one before. And but the other one, the one that like legit freaks me out, like as a shot, is when Trantor is making his way across the gym floor. Like that thing looks freaky. The design, the thing looks uh-huh. really scary. He's he's nerve wracking. I have one more scare listed. Did you have okay. any more did you have any more nah, I'm done with all of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm fin- I'm <laughs> all finished. my notes. I used them finished. All right. So, uh the last thing that I had is I just obviously it's a it's a relatively low stakes uh film, a low stakes narrative, but when Trantor finally gets Kenny at the end, I just I just think objectively that's a nice stakes raising moment because you think the battle's over, you think the battle's done and then basically our primary kid hero gets claimed by the bad guy. I just, I I think that's, that's the thing. I think this particular script structurally uh, doesn't get very much credit because it's so absurd and it's so ridiculous. So I think people are gonna write off some really, uh, some kind of fundamentals that that work pretty well, like tension building or stuff like that. It's all undercut. I mean, obviously, that whole thing is undercut by you know when Ernest drops the milk and realizes that he's got to dance <laughs> with the troll and mm. give him a big old booger smooch on the on the on the lips. Um, <laughs> so here's what I wrote down for theme. Uh, just bear with me. Okay, but. <laughs> what I put was for all the nonsense that this film hurls at its audience, there is what I think is the distant echo of some genuine profundity in the notion that generational sort of sins or, or, or curses, if you will, uh, manifesting themselves somehow taking, uh, pursuing and, uh, preying on our children, uh, that, ultimately can only be defeated by unconditional love now on paper admittedly it's it's from Ernest scared stupid but on paper <laughs> there's there's something to that there's something to that notion um, I also do find it kind of interesting that the one who unleashed the ultimate danger leads the charge in defeating it there's something that I that I really like about that and also of course old lady Hackmore said to Kenny in a passing you know, observation. Sometimes you gotta do what you know is right, no matter what anybody else tells you. But I think that what's funny about the way that this film plays out, there was, so obviously, like, I, I wanted to talk about this and put a big pitch to talk about to talk about it during Funny or Die, because I love the film, and I, I would take any excuse that I can to talk about it. But I do think it's interesting to me, that scene where Eartha Kitt is observing the mother and daughter outside the school. Do you remember that
0: I vaguely remember that.
1: So she's getting, they were trying to figure out in her little book, says, you know, it's gonna be dispelled Mm, with the heart of a child and a mother's care, and then they're trying to figure out what that all meant. What's the heart of a child? What's a mother's care? Whatever. Uh, Turns out a mother's care was referring to milk, which, for reasons not fully explored, uh, dispels the trolls, and then... She says the heart of a child is unconditional love because she sees this mother and daughter fighting with each other, and then they say to each other, the daughter says it first, and then the mother says it. They say, I hate you. And she says, I hate you too. And then they very immediately like turn around, think better of it, reconcile, the, the tension dissolves, and that's what uh, Old Lady Hackmore, played by Eartha Kitt, that's what she observes and recognizes, like, oh, that's... That's the heart of a child is unconditional love. And I mean, dang, man, like we do we don't have to spend a ton of time, you know, like unpacking this. There's it's kind of it's kind of on the nose and obvious. But I don't know, there's something to me about this film would not at all pitch it to people like, hey, this film really Ernest Scared Stupid really makes you think. No, it doesn't. But there is something to be mined and to be said about the idea of like yeah this this thing is coming back and it is chasing after the children. it is trying to claim the innocent, and the way that it is dispelled, I just there's something about that scene where they're all I don't know why nobody's like jumping in to help Ernest, but Ernest is like staring down the troll with the milk in hand, mm-hmm. and they're all yelling at him and they're all like cheering him on and like you know get him and everything like that there's something to that moment that i cannot put my finger on even now that affects me where suddenly he realizes like oh this is not gonna quite cut it and he himself as a character connects the dots and is like unconditional love the heart of a child that's what i have to do and obviously it's undermined by he then like Quirrel dances with the troll and plants a big kiss right on his lips. But I don't know. There's something about this moment where we realize, like, sometimes the way to win the fight is actually to throw down the weapon. Sometimes the way to win the fight is actually not to continue the assault, continue the onslaught, but to actually embrace a different tactic, embrace something completely counterintuitive, completely against all logical risk assessment and and actively uh try to pursue a notion of unconditional love towards our
0: enemies and uh I don't know there's well, there, I, there's something I, I, there I know you wouldn't rebut this but just to to nuance what you're saying there I think that the truest expression of a faithful life isn't that sometimes you embrace dropping your sword it's all the time this is mm. the this is the position and and posture, and you know you're you aren't being critical, but you're stating the on the nose nature of whatever might be there thematically. I do think it's important there are movies uh you know Slinky Dog has come up, Pixar in general mm. capitalizes on this like there are movies that are engineered in such a way that the, that the attraction might be to children, but the appeal ultimately is, is more cross generational.
1: Oh, it's a, um,
0: yes. where yeah. I'm going with this is interestingly. I, I do think this is aimed squarely at kids. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I don't mean that critically or as in, I don't mean that derisively. Um, And so from that standpoint, as much as I may be like, what a weird scene with this dude dancing (laughs) with this troll thing. Like, I think the starkness of that image, this grotesque, ugly thing being embraced by a person as an expression of unconditional love. Like, I don't know. I think I think the on the nose Mm -hmm. nature Mm -hmm. is is its own value.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: There's there's nothing subtle about this movie right, uh, right, and that's potentially baked in and intentional. I don't, you know, it might be incidental, but I think it's on a certain level intentional because it's sure. You sure. know, I, I imagine what you've shared and what little I know of the nature of the earnest character and the intention of the style of expression, the character gets in the films he's in. Like, it was about speaking to kids and being, yeah, be, being, yeah. being goofy and, and kind of silly, but on sure, that, on sure. that level. And so it, it makes sense to me why it's a something, a theme like that would be so on the nose to where you're dancing with a troll and kissing, <laughs> kissing <laughs> right. on the nose. Like, you know, is it a little bit of a stretch for us as adults to be like, uh, <laughs> I, i'm I'm on or not on board with that but like as a kid i could imagine watching that and being like wow this is an interesting turn of events that my sure. child brain needs to reckon with you know what i mean sure sure
1: and uh like and there's it's there too in the scene when kenny is confronted by the remaining bullies the one that are not you know the ones that have not been taken but the the one guy did the one sort of major obnoxious bully right. got taken by the troll, but that becomes kind of a uniting factor for these other kids that have been picking on Kenny through this whole this whole thing, um, and then they join forces. I definitely think it's an element of the film. There is in all of the earnest movies there is an undertone of his innocence and naivete ultimately being the satisfying. End of right, like right. what ultimately becomes the the winning tipping point, and that is something that I think uh, you know as as perhaps a final button on the you know thematic explorations of Ernest Scared Stupid. I think that's something that is worth acknowledging and possibly considering is sometimes we as adults lose the simplicity of some of these notions. The simplicity of, hey, uh," because we do, we find them literally juvenile, and we find them too simple, and we find them too easy, so we write them off and dismiss them as not possible or not viable, and maybe there there is a place and a time to consider that, I mean, gosh... I don't want to I don't there's some of this that I actively want to resist because I just feel uh self-aware enough to to acknowledge to people I'm like hey as I'm unpacking some things that my thoughts about Ernest scared stupid speak to me I'm not like trying to prop up the film as, right. as this real poetic thing but like Golly, the the scripture says the Lord uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Sure, you know, like there's there's a legitimacy to there's some things where you'd be like that that is bumbling idiocy, and yet it comes through in the end. Right, you know, right. like there's a there's a beauty to that, and there's there's something dare I say almost holy about the instances where the one who is written off as the as the fool, the one who is written off as the the bumbler, the one that nobody was counting on th- coming in and ultimately their simple naivete or their simple innocence or their simple open-heartedness uh, melting the evil, undermining its power. And, and we hear so many stories about how innocence is abused and taken away and how it is uh, shattered and crushed and broken. It, 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 it pays, I think, the spirit well to take a pocket and recognize that sometimes it is the simplicity of that same innocence that can actually undermine and restore and bring everything back to to a place of uh, you know restoration and wholeness i love that freaking i mean there's a there's a lot to explain but i love that uh Earth a Kit, you know, Old Lady Hackmore, like the the children from that from back in that day. Oh like, yeah, come yeah. running come running out of that tree, you know? And uh and there's again, there's just there's something to that notion that uh I don't think is is substantive enough to legitimize Ernest Scared Stupid in the minds of people that aren't already on board. But I think that notion, regardless of your feelings about the film, is worth considering as a legitimate path of uh thought and philosophy is to recognize like yeah that sometimes
0: sometimes you gotta dance with a troll
1: sometimes you gotta dance with a troll because sometimes because the foolish things confound the wise and sometimes you gotta dance with a troll so um that is what i had to say about ernest scared stupid well this movie so much
0: riri shall we go to the fog meter my friend
1: let's do it why don't you you tell them what that is i will
0: fog meter we measure the films we discuss on the metric of fear and of god which we equate to kind of substance um so on the fear metric i I mean at least for unexpectedness i would kind of consider is four too high like the creature design is effective and yeah it is yeah and the jarring nature of what the trolls do to the kids is effective so yeah
1: of course i'm gonna
0: i'm gonna stick i'm gonna stick with a 4
1: all right i'm i'm going to be right around there with you i'm gonna give it a 5 I think that there is some there's some definite yeah, there's some definite uh effective elements to the fear nature of it to the degree that it was that it was deemed a little too scary for for kids when it finally came out. So I think there's something to that. Now on the substance measurement, I mean I wanna be uh objective and fair. I don't think there's nothing there. Honest to God. I uh obviously with what I had shared and what I thought and what it makes me think otherwise, I don't think there's nothing there. I think it would be I'd be remiss and a a, a bit um too ambitious to go too high but I'm actually gonna land at a five for substance as well I think the ideas that it has in its underbelly while on the nose are worth consideration and and are valid and substantial I
0: can't believe where this movie's landing um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will I, I will reiterate my four for the god factor as well just because I you know, I think if you if you receive the film as it's intended, which is for kids, it's meant to wear its its substance on its sleeve, and it does sure, that sure on on a very gray t shirted denim vest accessoried sleeve. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a four. All right, which brings Ernest Scared Stupid to a four and a half. On the fog meter, (laughs) for which I am gobsmacked and impressed. (laughs) You know, I did not see that coming. Ghostbusters
1: was two and a half.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love us. I love us. We've just we've just lost listeners. They're like, "You gotta be kidding me!"
1: Well, so uh, I I will throw down on this. I think objectively. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. No, 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 no. Here's (laughs) <laughs> I call the fourth Um, I will throw down on this comment I think that Ghostbusters is unquestionably an objectively better movie than Ernest Scared Stupid but if we're talking about themes I think Ernest Scared Stupid's got more thematically going on in it than Ghostbusters does and I'll still stand by that period <laughs> but um, would you Nathan Rouse recommend Ernest scared stupid. I've been waiting for this question for
0: a long time. <laughs> Twenty years. <laughs> um, I mean, surprising even myself. Sure, go <laughs> go, go, for <laughs> go, go, go for it. Go go for it. If you've never just, seen you it, it, you know Amazon has it for like three ninety nine. Just go for it. You Let's, know, Have fun. listen
1: uh, around Halloween time. If you've got a like uh, probably a kid in the the 8 to 10 range, you could do far worse than popping up a viewing of Ernest Scared Stupid. It's clean. It's it is, you know, we've already talked about some of its freaky nature in terms of the creature design and everything. Obviously, I'm going to recommend it. I love this movie. Anybody that remotely says I would like to watch Ernest Scared Stupid, I'd be like, "Come be my friend, watch it with me. We'll pop popcorn, we'll laugh, we'll love it. It'll be it'll be awesome." So, yes, I love 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 Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh man, I can't believe we did it. Ernest scared stupid. Funny or die number four, ladies and gentlemen. It you you heard it here. It has happened. It's awesome. R- well, well, Reed, well, I, I i yeah. I, I, I'm,
0: I'm, I I must express mild gratitude for for dragging me initially kicking and screaming into the little the, the little town whatever it's called. I don't remember that Ernest occupies uh, Briarsville or something. Yeah, that's, I'm pretty sure yeah. that's it so yep. here we so, are
1: uh, well you are welcome I'm so delighted that you enjoyed it as you did and uh, yes Nathan thank you so much again listeners thank you as always don't forget the contest don't forget the we contest will see you, yes we will see you next week right here at the fear of God Nathan thanks so much yeah buddy this. see ya bye Oh, you know what we forgot to do?
0: What? Tell me.
1: We forgot to tell them what we're going to be recording about next week.
0: We were so scared stupid that we left that out.
1: Oh my gosh. i tell you what. Why don't we... What is
0: funny or die? Is it going to be a funny or is it going to be a die? Uh, Or maybe a little bit of both? A little bit of both?
1: Well, it'll probably be a little bit of both. But i tell you what. Why don't we... Why don't we head down? Maybe a to lot. The, maybe a lot of both. Uh, maybe a lot of both. Uh, why don't we head down to the Winchester and you and I can grab a couple of adult beverages and then we'll we'll discuss maybe what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about next week. Do you,
0: do you think that shotgun behind the bar works? The what? The, the shotgun The shotgun behind the bar. Do you think it works?
1: No, I don't know. I'm. I feel like the bartender's connected though.
0: I I hear tell that it might work, but well, maybe who knows? Who knows? Uh-huh. Maybe the maybe the night will.
1: Do you what? know what this reminds me of?
0: Um, I don't know. I really don't.
1: No, it reminds me of a movie. Gosh, what was the what was the name of that movie? It was mm. the one.
0: It's a, it's Is it the one with the with the with the young Woody Harrelson tending bar, like, and then there's like, um, you oh. Know.
1: Oh yes, I have heard of this. Uh, cheers for fears. Yeah, that's right. That's Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, yeah, cheers yeah, for yeah, fears. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Um. Wait. No. That's, that was the work. We should. Title.
0: We should. Hey. We should write that down. That's pretty good for <laughs> something else. We should use that somewhere else. <laughs> cheers for fears. Um.
1: So. And then. Wait. No. <laughs> this that is. Wasn't, that wasn't. The this is a long bet. This. Is, well. Okay. Let's just go have a drink. Sure. Okay. All right. So. All right. Well. See you next time, so, guys. Why do Why don't we do Shaun of the Dead next week? You want to do Shaun of the Dead?
0: I do love that movie.
1: Why don't we? Let's do that.
0: Let's do it. Let's go down. I'm down. The, yeah. Okay. I'm down. Right, let's go down
1: to the win. So we, So, the, d- it, well,
0: so yeah. I thought we were gonna go discuss it over over a pint, but we don't need to discuss it now. So we're just gonna have a pint, or we're not. Why don't going? we just
1: no? Why don't we just go have a pint? I'm down for a pint. All right. Let's go ahead. All
0: right. Okay. All right. They come in pints. Yeah. Oh, Nathan. What? I'm sorry. Oh my god. What? I'm sorry. Were you not recording?
1: No, I'm. I'm sorry, Nathan.
0: Oh. 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 <laughs> <Go>. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you have me. I was like, it's not that big a deal.
1: The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God. You can like and follow us on Facebook, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. You can follow us on Instagram, at fearofgodpodcast, or go to morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed by Lee Wright and Reed Lackey, and our podcast art was crafted by Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com. Merchandise for the show can now be found at tpublic.com. Just search for The Fear of God Podcast, all one word. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.